Luck on Sunday, proudly sponsored by Al Basti Ecruel, Dubai. Welcome to the Luck on Sunday podcast, a weekly audio digest of all the best bits of Luck on Sunday, free to air every Sunday from nine o'clock that brings you the best guests and insight from around the racing world. So loads, loads to cram into the next two and a half hours. So let's get started with my first guest, a man who enjoys significant global experience at the hands of three of the great masters of the training profession. Cricket head in France, once a guest on this show, of course, the late, great John Dunlop champion trainer in this country and a man who held all before him in California, Richard Mandela, with that schooling. How could he fail? The good news is he hasn't. He's really succeeded in his five years with a license ever since he won with Slunavrat in 2014 at Newcastle. He's not looked back and he's now garnering himself a significant reputation. Most importantly, as a good trainer of a good horse. He trains in the base where the great dancing brave was trained, Amanda Perrett's at Coomland Stables at Pulbra, and he joins us on the crest of a wave because Dan Soteria was the winner of the Grosser Price Bayerisches, easy for you to say, in Munich last weekend in the hands of Jamie Spencer. He is, of course, the French-born, British-based David Menuisier. David, welcome to Luck on Sunday. Thank you very much. Good morning. Very flattering introduction. And everything is absolutely correct. You it do is. come here on the on the crest of a wave with that with that Group One success under your belt. But it's not a bolt out of the blue. You've been you're training these horses to run well for the for the last couple of years at the, at the highest yeah. level. How do you feel about yourself as a trainer now? Um, not any different, really. <laughs> to be fair, we're always trying to do the best uh, with the 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 cards we had dealt with. You know, so yeah. No, it, it was a fantastic achievement, obviously, and. Uh, we knocked on the door a few times last year with uh, Thundering Blue. Uh, so before it happens, you always a little bit, um, you know, you always wonder if it's going to happen to you or not. Yeah. You know? And when it happens, it's, you take it as a relief and obviously uh, joy, but relief. And uh, it's good to get the, mon the group on monkey off your back, I'd say. It's right on your back at the moment, right over your shoulder. Jamie Spencer sitting motionless. If you just uh, take a peek behind you. This must have been a lovely sight to see. Yeah, I mean, it was it was fantastic because the horse wasn't proven on soft ground, and uh, the ground was absolutely beautiful. You know, until uh, until Saturday afternoon, when they they got a massive downpour uh, for about an hour, and they rolled the track actually to try and, and dry it out as much as they could. And by Sunday morning, it was gorgeous again. And <laughs> we got a massive downpour an hour before the race. And then we were worried. We were worried. But the horse was just too good that day, really. And if you're a trainer in your position, you've got the horse perfectly prepared. How important is it to have somebody of Jamie's experience on your side? It's huge. It's huge. And 
He absolutely loves the horse, and, and uh, since the first day he, he sat on him um, in, the, in the group three at Sandown, he absolutely loves the horse. So it gives you a, a lot of confidence. So it does give you a lot of confidence. Feel like you're a team going into battle, of really together as well. Of course, you don't need to 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 sit for hours making plans. You just keep it simple. He knows how good the horse is, and you know we just tidy up the details before the race. But that's about it. So what's the plan with the horse now? The plan is to go to Australia. Yeah, he's been invited for the Cox Plate um, since he won in Munich. And uh, so it's pretty much the plan. And he's, he's now owned by Australian Bloodstock. And uh, so it's been the plan for a long time. So I'm, I'm also pleased that uh, all went according to plan. We've had the Munich race in mind since uh, probably early May um, to get the invite for the Cox Plate, which, which is exactly what happened. So. I said you were a trainer with, with international aspirations. You're also a trainer with great international experience. But there's very few people who've had so much experience of France and the United States who would think it's a good idea from a business point of view to set up training racehorses in, in Great Britain. But, but you did. Why? Because of the weather. <laughs> <laughs> because of the food. <laughs> now, look, I mean, I, I worked for John Dunlop for six years. I literally fell in love with English racing, you know, throughout the six years I was there. And I, I couldn't really see any point um, going anywhere else, you know. And uh, I left France uh, as I worked in America before joining uh, John Dunlop. I thought the French had, had for, forgotten me, you know. And by example, one day we had a run, <laughs> we had a runner on on, uh, on the 14th of July. It was times up uh, for John Dunlop, and he, he ran second in the in the group two that day, uh, ridden by Ryan Moore. And actually, all the journalists would come and interview me in English. They literally thought I was English. So at that point, it it actually, you know, pushed me to stay in England, really, than go back to France because uh, everybody um, for, for, forgot me, really. So all your fellow countrymen had turned their backs on you and you found <laughs> refuge in, in yeah, West Sussex. Pretty much, pretty much, yeah. Was John Dunlop the most important influence on your career? I think it was Cricket Head. I think it was Cricket Head. She... She turned a boy into a man, I think. <laughs> um, it was fantastic. And, and, you know, the first few months I spent there, I still remember all the, li all the little things she was uh, telling me. And, uh, yeah, I'm going to get a bit uh, emotional now. But, yeah, she's, she's like a second mother to me. She's, a, she's an amazing lady and an amazing trainer, a pioneer for, for women in sport. Um, Tell me a little bit about how your relationship with her began. Look, I was uh, studying biology. Uh, I've tried to get, to get into vet school in France, which is a very hard uh, school to get into. And I missed out by a few points. And uh, my mother always told me, you need, to, you need to have a degree before you, you, you follow your dreams. I wanted to be a trainer since the age of seven or eight. But my mother pushed me to, to get a degree, so I did a degree in biology and genetics. And as soon as I got that degree, I was 22, I think, um, I turned to my mom and I said, look, uh, now I want to do what, what I was born for. Mm. <laughs> and um, she said, OK, fine, just go and do it. And 
you know, even though they were breeders, they were small breeders, we didn't really have any strong connections with anybody. And uh, so I just picked up the phone, I ran Cricket Head, uh, because she had the reputation of giving people a chance. And um, she said, my door is wide open, come and join us whenever you wish. And that's what I did. That's, a, that's As fantastic. simple as that. And you had no real <laughs> knowledge of, of, of her personally before? No, no, none whatsoever. I mean, that speaks volumes for her, that she'd always always give any young person a chance. She, she's a, truly an amazing person. It, it, you know, a lot of people come across as great on TV or, you know, in interviews and whatever. She genuinely is a, a fantastic person. Her heart is bigger than her. What do you think, what do you think you learned about your craft from her? Everything. It's... it's getting the feeling for <clears throat> horses you know and uh, it's very hard to um, to express uh, it's just being on her side and try and see the things that she sees and feel the, the feel the, the things that she feels and um, it's very it's a very hard question to answer uh, I think it's an artistic profession isn't it and, and um, you need to kind of manage your eyes and ears and you know it, it takes a long time it's like you know turning a, a horse into a very good horse you need time or turning wine into a great wine it's the same sort of thing you need to be rubbing your shoulders you know next to people like like, like them because they have an intuition for for what they see you could you could stand there all morning and not see you know what they see and and I think that's she did open my eyes and ears on 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 a training environment and and get to get into the brains of 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 the animals that she trained because she because she's so intuitive and so yes. and so and so instinctive and so patient as as well you said yeah. she she turned a boy into a man yeah i i'm I'm intrigued to know exactly what you mean by that hey, look uh, i I joined her when i was twenty two twenty three so obviously you're you're still a you know you're you're a rookie, aren't you? And and you have a simplistic view, I think, about life. And basically, you know, she, uh, you know, it's a hard task, you know, to to be assistant trainer when 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 you're 22 and you deal with people that are 60 years of age, head lads, and uh, they don't make your life um, easy. Mm. But she never kind of interfered. She just let you. You know, find your find your way and find your position. You know, despite being assistant, it wasn't. You, look, guys, this guy is assistant. He's got all the powers, so you just listen to him. She kind of let you, you know, do your own, make your own place. You know, and earn it. She, you know, she gave me the chance to join the yard, which was massive. So then it was a case of, yeah, you know, find find your own path. If you really want to command. Those guys earn it. Luck on Sunday, proudly sponsored by Albasti Equiworld Dubai. 
Welcome back. You're watching Lock on Sunday. Delighted to say that Devin Mimizier, who was excellent before the break, is still with me. And he is flanked by newsboy from the Daily Mirror, David Yates, regular here on Luck on Sunday. Um, and Ian Williams, top national hunt and flat trainer, uh, coming off the back of a, another successful spell. Ian, welcome for the first time to the Thank show. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. And enjoying 2019 so far? Absolutely loving it. What's been your highlight for you on a personal level? Oh, what's been the highlight on a personal level? I think Goldmount winning at York was a, was a huge experience. Um, and set up, um, as with David, a trip to Australia, which is great. Um, he joined us from Dubai to do that, and uh, so far, so good. Things are working out. And you've been um, seduced by the, the delights of the Melbourne Cup and the possibility of, uh, of striking in that race before, so is that, now, is that uh, now firmly in your sights? Very much so. I think last year's experience, um, we took a great horse there. Magic Circle had done so well. Um, his preparation was good, but there were lessons to be learnt. Uh, he bled in the race, which, which affected his performance, obviously, and it was very disappointing. Um, but uh, there's nothing like a challenge, and I think the more you get bitten, the more you want to go back. So it'll be great if we can get Goldmount there in good shape this year, learn from, from some mistakes we made and also some mistakes that maybe um, the quarantine facilities uh, weren't in control of in Australia, and we can just sort things out and hopefully make it a better experience for all of us. Excellent. Well, lots to get stuck into. We're going to have a look uh, back on the five days of Goodwood and what we've had so far at Galway. Seventh day of seven today here on Racing TV. Yes, you've had a good week. Yes, a very enjoyable week. Uh, it's uh, Goodwood's always great fun, the Qatar Goodwood Festival. And, um, yeah, it's been... Uh, obviously, the, the, uh, the three Group 1s were very interesting in their own way. I personally, I'm not quite sure that the, that the racing stands up five days as as well as it could do, personally. That's only a, my own opinion. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was good fun. You know, the, the, uh, it's always a nice place to go. Press room isn't always a nice place to be there because there's no oxygen and everyone's crammed in like battery chickens. But apart from that, it was good. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose it's all, it's all dependent on who you're crammed in like a battery chicken next to, isn't it? Not really, no, because there's no oxygen and you can't breathe <laughs> and all these computers are spewing out hot air. Uh, I've never once complained about the press facilities uh, on television or in print because most people quite rightly think that I'm lucky to do the job that I do. Uh, but uh, sort of an average of eight hours, five hours a day in that atmosphere, I don't think is good for the human condition. Well, one thing that was definitely good for the soul this week, I'm sure you'll agree, it was the, was the Magnolia Cup. Uh, unusual that we should begin by, by reflecting on the charity race at, uh, at Goodwood, but no doubt about it, its resonance this year and the way that it managed to um, you know, touch people. Uh, Khadija Mellor's success, a, a teenager who'd learned to ride at the Ebony Riding School in, uh, in Brixton and it was a, a resounding triumph for Khadija. White cap there, third from the right of shot. Horse beautifully prepared for the day by Charlie Fellows. And a result that found itself across front pages, back pages, news outlets, not just here, but, but internationally. And for a charity race that started a few years ago, Ian, and I don't think anyone thought it would ever have this sort of impact. I don't think anybody could have expected the impact that this result had earlier in the week, but uh, it, it put racing, as you say, across the broadsheets, and not just in this country, and, uh, and it, 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 it gave everybody a, a feel-good. I think it, it appeared on the BBC uh, website very highly as well, and uh, it was a great result for racing, uh, not only for the charity, but for racing and for the young lady. 
Um, it's it's done amazing things, and hopefully it'll help the Ebony charity do even more in the future. I think that's the that's the headline for me, Dave. Is is the the prominence this has brought to the Ebony Horse Club? So more youngsters from that part of South London will be aware of the Ebony Horse Club and hopefully think, well, actually riding that's that's quite a fun thing that I might be interested in doing. Yes. I mean, it's that, and that has never been more important because surveys show, don't they, that people who live in cities yeah. have never seen a horse, don't know what one looks like, etc., etc. Uh, and so a, a, a very worthy charity uh, such as this, and of course our own Ollie Bell, a patron of it, uh, must take a lot of the credit. Um, it's, it was a very warming result, indeed, and uh, Khadija Mella deserves an awful lot of credit uh, for her achievements. I used to think of this race as the, the second most effective way of hospitalising supermodels. Uh, but um, through last year, Ian, Ian, Ian very just, kindly... Just out of interest, what is the most well, effective I way? <laughs> I don't know many, but I would imagine it's Class A drugs. But um, the, uh, Ian very kindly uh, helped us last year, Sarah Cook, who works at the Mirror, uh, and Ian supplied a horse for her to finish second. And it, if it hadn't been for that pesky uh, George Baker and... Uh, George Har Baker. And, what was it, Hurricane Harry, she'd have won. That's right. She but, did. Um, it, it, you know, it, it's, a great, it's, it's a great journey. Kitty tries the racing post road this year, and it, it's a fantastic journey uh, that, that, that these women undertake, and it's also obviously <laughs> raised 1.2 million quid for charity. So that is all good. Yeah. Uh, now, um, we were hoping to have Khadija with us, and I, th I, I thought on, on Thursday night, uh, deep into the evening, in, in conversation with Ollie, that we might be able to, to secure her this morning. But quite understandably, she needs a bit of a break. The media attention has been insane this week. Uh, and I think they're going to kick on with it again uh, in, in, the, in the middle of next week in the lead-up to the, to the release of the movie on, on ITV in, in the autumn. But the man who prepared Haverland, the horse, who, uh, who, whose name has had very little publicity relative to the horse's role in this, um, was Charlie Fellows, who was a guest on the show a few weeks ago and joined us on the line now. Charlie, morning. Good morning, Nick. How are you? Yeah, on good form, thank you very much. I, I, I think you'd agree. I, I think... Khadija probably does need a little bit of a break now, but what, a, what an incredibly determined and impressive young woman she is. Honestly, I, can't, I cannot even begin to tell you how remarkable uh, what she achieved um, is. Just six weeks ago, this, this girl turned up in my yard uh, under, you know, and I was under the instruction of you know, providing a horse that, uh, that would be capable of, of riding... Uh, of her riding in the uh, Magnolia Cup. On the first day in my yard, she came off twice. She fell off twice, two different horses. And I rang Ollie Bell up at the end of the morning. I said, Ollie, we've got no hope here, mate. That she's just she's nowhere near ready to do something and take something on like this. And um, since that day, she's just. She stepped forward every single time, just through pure determination and um, and grit, and to an yeah to a, to a point where, where the remarkable happened uh, last Wednesday, or Thursday, Thursday. Uh, has it has it changed your perspective on on how you might? Um, widen your recruitment net at all in terms of getting people from different backgrounds into the sport? Uh, I think um, 
I think one thing that actually, if you if you do spend a lot of time in Newmarket, one thing you realise pretty quickly is that a lot of the uh, a lot of the riders uh, are from a really really wide ranging, uh, yeah, wide range of backgrounds. So actually, I think it's something that we've kind of tapped into already. Admittedly, uh, you know, female, uh, young female Muslim women are very light on the ground in Newmarket, but. Um, it's, I don't know, I, I possibly, I jumped to maybe judging her far too quickly uh, in the early days. And actually, um, yeah, I was, I, was, I was gobsmacked with how, the improvement uh, that she made in such a short space of time. And another, uh, I put a tweet out the other day, uh, as someone who has, or has a group that have not had the recognition they deserve, or they just started to, is the British Racing School. Because she would come and ride out for me one or two lots every day, and then she'd go back to the racing school where she'd have jockey coaching, fitness coaching, and all of that. And they they put her on a serious, intensive course. And yeah, my part was was very minor compared to what they put in. And it was a brilliant uh, Khadija is a brilliant example of what they do and how important they are to this industry because they are especially at this point in time where mm. everyone knows that there's a short staff shortage um we rely on the british race school more and more yeah that, I, I suppose that's what i was driving at really insofar as it's a question of of getting a message out to say this is an industry that might be quite enjoyable and rewarding and satisfying to work in and, and you, you touched on the staff shortage on the programme a couple of weeks ago. It is, it's sort of reaching pretty significant proportions. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, uh, hopefully Khadija will be a, a great advert to people from, you know, from her background that, you know, this is a, a job and a business that is open to you. And, if you know, mind you, I've got to be, <laughs> I've got to be honest. I thought after Khadija had you know, ridden Haviland the other day and got off, I thought that'd be the last I'd see of her for a while. But she called me up on uh, Saturday morning and said, can I come and ride out next week? So she's, so she's back in the yard next week riding out for me all week, um, which is lovely. And hopefully, you know, she's going to be the first of many. And then there'll be an Amos licence to follow and an apprentice licence. And on we go. And, and I'm, am I right in thinking her brother is riding now as well or is riding for Chris Wall? Her brother rides out for Chris Wall. Uh, he's called Abdus. He's a really, he's a lovely kid. Uh, he rode out for me for a week, uh, two weeks ago. And he's a very, he's a good rider, very accomplished rider. And um, he, I, I, I think he's, Khadija's, a, Khadija's just done her A-levels and she's, you know, I think she's going to go to university and she very much, I, I, I can't, I, an amateur license, probably as far as she's going to go uh, in, uh, in in sort of as far as riding is concerned. Uh, Abdus, on the other hand, is very much determined. Uh, I think he wants to take his apprentice license out, as far as I'm, I'm aware, and and he looks more than capable of doing that. He's a he's a very good kid, and he's um, he's he rides very well. So uh, I'm sure with Chris Wall's help, um, he um, he's another one to look out for.
Yeah, a bit, I, I'm imagining it's a bit like you, Charlie, when you were when you were growing up. I was reading about some of her sporting exploits, and she's got black belt and karate already. One of these infuriating people um, who can basically turn their hand to anything if you know if they've got the the application for it. So some people just are naturally sporting sporting talents, aren't they? Well, I'm told that she's expecting four A's at A level. Oh. She clearly <laughs> is. She clearly is uh, very good at uh, things outside of academia. Uh, I, I wish I could compare her to myself, but there's a reason I'm a racehorse trainer and not working in the city or something like that. It's because my A-level results probably weren't quite as good as hers are going to be. Uh, but um, she, on top of all that, she also is the most wonderful young lady I've ever met, and she just she's just got this lovely, relaxed demeanour. She's got the most beautiful smile you'd ever see, and she just every time she walked into the yard. Uh, she sort of she immediately got on with all the lads, and you know she just she's just a really really sweet girl as well. Luck on Sunday, proudly sponsored by Albasti Equuel Dubai. Another story that is was well, should grab hold and is grabbing hold of us, but possibly deserves a wider attention is the the story of Mark Johnston because he's just breaking records for fun. You know, winning most trainer of all time last year, winning most trainer of Glorious Goodwood this week, and that's not ever going to get beaten, let's face it, because he just keeps relentlessly rolling on with winner after winner after winner. Six more this time. And 50 winners in a calendar month? 50 winners in a month, David? I've been trying, but <laughs> didn't get there. <laughs> nah, look, it's absolutely it's Unbelievable fantastic. feat. It is unbelievable, really. I mean, you, you try, as you were saying, you train a smallish string, you mm. train a biggish string, but if for you, get, get your head around 50 winners in a month. Oh, 50 runners in a month takes some doing. 50 winners in a month, is, it's just incredible. And I don't know if you saw the TV um, coverage yesterday uh, when King's Advice was mm. running. I mean, Mark is so involved and in it. The, you could just see the whole race on his face. It was, it was actually great TV. To see it, the horse got headed, it got back, and, and it all came out in Mark's expression, and his enjoyment was and, and satisfaction was incredible. Yeah, that really struck me yesterday. That re- I mean, I, I said to Lydia at the end of the day, I, I mean, I'm sure there have been reactions like that. We just haven't had a camera on them, but I'm not sure I'd ever really seen, a, seen one quite as, seen him quite as animated. Here we go. Well, he's a very special horse, this, isn't he? The, the, uh, that's... Actually, he looks a little like he's riding it, doesn't he? He's riding something. <laughs> that, was the, that, was the, that was the celebration of the week for me. It was the performance of the week in many respects, and Mark joins us on the line now. Morning, Mark. Morning. Uh, you enjoyed that, I think it, it, it's fair to say. Uh, this horse, King's Advice, uh, he must mean an awful lot to you if that's anything to go by. Yeah, I haven't seen this film, <laughs> <laughs> thankfully, perhaps. Um, but, yeah, of course he means a lot, and I've a finish like that, how can you not get excited about it? He's, um, he is a remarkable horse. As I said yesterday, I don't really believe in the idea that they know where the line is or, or things like that, but if ever there's a horse that looks to be sticking his neck out to try and keep, get his head in front, he's the one. He's bred to be a good horse, by Frankel out of Queen's Logic. Yeah, he comes to you rated 71, what does he show you when you first take take a look at him, when you first try and get the wraps off him? Um, to be honest, very little. Uh, he came 
en route to the sales and we were told that he was a very poor mover and that um, he looked like there was something seriously wrong with him and that he was virtually untrainable. And so we just went sort of carefully through the motions of training him and fitting him into our normal regime. And then we ran him as a sort of last chance saloon before going to the sales. Um, he dropped away mid-race, having led early on, and I thought, oh, this is obviously the problem manifesting itself. Um, and then he came back and won. And basically, we've never looked back since. And if if he goes on, which I'm, I'm sure he's going to run in the in the million pound sky bet, Ebor, if he's well, if he went on to win that race, he he, he becomes. An extraordinary story. I mean, he's already a great story, but he then becomes an, an extraordinary story. How high now do you think he can fly? I really don't know. Um, I think he can. He, he's, he's shown that he deserves a shot in pattern company. He's, he's earned a rating that, mm. that says he's good enough to run in pattern company. Um, winning the Eber, there's an awful lot to winning the Eber more than just being as good a horse as King's advice. And... You know, I think it's almost too much to hope for that he could go and win that. It's such a competitive race and and such a rough and tumble race. You know that uh, I think you need a great horse and a bit of luck on your side. So I'm not counting on that by any means. I wouldn't be going there with you know be going there with hope, not confidence. Um, but as you say, you know he's already a great story. Hopefully, as the owner said right from the start, you know, he was still, even though he was, he was thinking of selling him, he thought he would go to stud somewhere based on, you know, just on pedigree alone. Hopefully now a combination of this race record and showing how tough he is, then he will get himself a stud job somewhere. And people talk about how to sell the sport market is incredible time and time again. The way to sell the sport is through horses that people warm to and respond to and want to be with and want to root for and want to care about. And he kind of seems to embody all of that. Absolutely. You know, and you don't get that if you don't run them. You know, which is, you know, having said that, yeah, obviously horses like Enable, who doesn't run very often, but it's just so phenomenally good and has been around for quite a long time, uh, they play perhaps an even bigger, well, in fact, definitely an even bigger part in selling the sport. But these, particularly these middle distance horses, if they go on and they run a lot, then, then yeah, it's fantastic for the sport. And you, you've made a great virtue of that. Why is it you think that you can do that and other people feel that you can't run these horses quite so often? I really have no idea. You know, it fascinates me um, just how much other people seem to be looking for reasons not to run rather than looking for reasons to run um, uh, I'm a great believer in if there's nothing wrong with the horse then you run it and so often we if you have a disappointing run we're also seem to be well known for uh, not King's advice obviously who's kept on winning but you know, we often bring a horse back from a defeat to win next time and to us it's quite simple we thoroughly check the horse over if there's nothing wrong with it then we run it again whereas others seem to feel that every defeat requires a break 50 winners in in the month of july was that i, I, mean, I know i know you you do keep an eye on on, on these numbers and the, and the data is very important to you but is is that 
a record that you'd ever particularly considered or, or a milestone that you'd ever particularly considered or, or not really? Um, no, not really. Um, we always, as you say, we do look at figures, we compare uh, month on month and we compare months with the same time last year and for the last six years um, just to see how we're doing all the time and sometimes it helps flag up if there's, there's an issue. Um, but I hadn't really thought until just the last few days of the month when people started talking about it, I hadn't really thought that there was a record to be, to be broken. 178 now for the calendar year, which is pretty remarkable. And all things being equal, you'll, you'll break the record for wins in a, in a calendar year this year. What, what do you think is the, the number that is sort of... The, what's the top-end feasible number you think you could actually train in a single year? I've no idea. Obviously, it depends on how, how many horses you've got and, and how much racing there is out there. So, you know, I really haven't thought about that. I, even, I also think that, um, you know, we shouldn't be counting our chickens and saying that we can break the all-time record this year. Uh, as we get beyond September, and the ground usually goes very soft, and your form becomes a lot more yeah. random, and I tend not to run as many horses when it's like that. So you know, I'm not counting on it. Just keeping making hay while it's sun shining and hoping for the best. You say making hay while the sun's shining. I know you invariably take a view on amount of water racecourses put on the track. And there was a little bit of contention yesterday about the watering that had taken place overnight from Friday into Saturday after the course records went on on Friday. What was your overall feeling about about the surface at, at Goodwood through the week? Um, I, I've always said Goodwood's probably the best managed track in the country. Um, for years, particularly under Seamus Buckley, it was um, you know we had the greatest of faith in in the the ground there that it was always going to be going to be good. Even during those torrential storms two years ago, they managed to race. Um, I was a little bit concerned when I saw the the clerk of the course saying that you know, you could just simply pour water onto Goodwood. It could take as much as you. You threw at it. He was saying that before the meeting. Generally, throughout the meeting, I was pretty happy with the ground. Although we would have said it, it until those records started falling on on Friday, we'd have said it was you know it was on the slow side of good. Um, you know, I think he overdid it on 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 Friday night. It, uh, we were going into Saturday on good to firm, good in places, and really the clerk of the course should have been aiming for good to firm and that should have meant no water uh, so he overdid it I can sympathise with them as to why they overdo it because they get so many non-runners when the ground goes fast which is, is a shame That's that, that fault lies with the trainers Luck on Sunday Proudly sponsored by Albasti at Cruel, Dubai. We transition from, from Goodwood briefly and we transition to, to Galway where the action has been uh, uh, remarkable this week and we've thoroughly enjoyed showing it to you here on, on Racing TV. The feature race of the week, the feature chase of the week is the Galway Plate. It was victory for Boris 
who was uh, in the Simon Manier and Isaac Swed colours to the to the right there. There was some sort of interesting um, cause taken by Black Horton, who ran an extraordinary race under top weight, Brownie Frost for for Paul Nichols in the Kyle and Brooks colours uh, in front at the moment. And he thought at this point it was all over and Black Horton was going to win, David. Uh, but uh, he gets a, a circuitous passage and not helped by the by the loose horse. No, it's a cracking run by Black Corton under the circumstances. And a, a very interesting uh, result in the sense that Gordon Elliott, over the last few months, received the news, obviously, about uh, Jigginstown and the fact that they were going to scale down. And they've been such a massive supporter of his... Uh, they've taken his training operation to levels that he yeah. could only have dreamed of. Uh, and so there is a future without them. Obviously, there is also a future with uh, Munir and Swed. And, uh, I, I and, imagine uh, and Chibley Park and yeah. any other. other there'll, be, there'll be plenty, I'm sure, who want to send horses to, to fill those boxes that, that will become vacant. Another a splendid run from, from Blackcorn. And that's that, uh, that uh, ability to... Be a brilliant target trainer that Paul Nichols has shown so many times. He 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 was talking about the Galway Plate midway through last season with that horse. Another great performance from the horse and great ride. But you know the winners won well. The the second horse was obviously had his interference, but it didn't cost him the race. But it was a huge performance under top weight. It was a very compelling races to watch at Galway as well, with the second last and the last coming up pretty quickly. And the Galway hurdle was won by a man who knows how to how to prepare one for a big race, Tony Martin. Uh, Robbie Power was the man booked to ride his Galway hurdle winner, Tudor City, in those Breslin colours that we've seen successful in so many good races and so many good handicaps in the past. And, yeah, this was this was a bit more conclusive all round. You can see there the yellow sleeves, white cap, jumping two out in about seventh place, swing round the turn and uh, finds a really sharp turn of foot. Uh, I, I'm always intrigued watching hurdle races on this track. It must be such a test of jockeyship. I've not had a runner over hurdles in Galway. We've had some some chase runners and actually some winners, which is great. But uh, it's a it's a tough track to ride. But he's given it the perfect ride through, and the gaps have come for him, haven't they? I mean, with just before the last, he's behind six or seven horses, and you think he might actually struggle to get through there. But it's he's he's got the horse. He's travelling and he's he's taken his course. But Yatesy, it's an amazing uh, thought that neither the Galway plate victory nor the Galway hurdle win are the stories of the week. Far from it. And it's not Dermot Weld this time either, with due respect to, to the great man. It's Matt Smith <coughs> and one cool poet. Three wins in a week for the one horse. You know, this is, Mark Johnson will be loving this Tuesday, <laughs> Thursday, Saturday. Bang, bang, bang. Thanks very much. Yeah, it's, it's hard to think of a circumstance in which Mark Johnston will be on the phone to the trainer of One Cool Poet, saying, how do you do this? <laughs> but it certainly is a remarkable feat. And what's even more remarkable, it was a, 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 a decisive enough but pushed out neck on Tuesday, then a cosy sort of length and a half on Thursday. Well, by yesterday, we was only just getting started at the beginning of the week. This was Thursday, I think. Yesterday, he absolutely bolted up. It's... This is particularly interesting, I think, when we sometimes uh, the lawmakers try and stop and, horses and right twice in a week and yeah. say, right, you know, under these circumstances, horses can, as you say, they, they cannot run within, or, you know, twice, never mind three times, within a certain period of time. And it, it proves once again that these decisions are just really left to the, 
the people who have the horses in their care? The, the decisions should be left to the people who have the horses in their care. Um, and these people are all licensed by the appropriate authorities. If people, it's a little bit like having a driving license. If you're a good driver, you don't have any problems. If you're not. But if you, if you start doing silly things and you're getting points on your license, your license will be taken away from you. And it's, sometimes it's unfair that good trainers are penalised for the decisions that maybe less good trainers have made. And there was the whole furore about horses running in hind shoes. And uh, yeah, these, they're rules that are imposed upon good trainers that shouldn't be because they should be allowed to make those decisions themselves. That's what they're paid to do. The man who made the decision to run one cool poet three times during Galway, glorious Galway as it was for him, was Matt Smith who joins us on the line now. Matt, good morning. Hi, Nick. Um, I, I, I trawled back through this horse's record and found out that four years ago the great Arthur Moore had run the horse twice at Galway and he'd finished third and second, which in and of itself would be the crowning achievement for almost any racehorse. For you to do what you did with him four years after that, Nothing short of remarkable. When did the idea first come to you that you could pull something like this off? <laughs> it didn't really. Um, look, we, 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 we said we'd go to Galway with him. Um, he, look, he had a good few entries. He was entering the hurdle race on Monday, and then he obviously had a couple of flat entries, and he was entering the hurdle on Sunday. Um, so, look, we decided to try him over a mile there. We thought it might do him. Um, obviously, it did. So then I suppose we declared him for Thursday, and we didn't think he could in Saturday, um, but he did. So he's come out of come out of boat race really well. So we said we'd we'd let him take his chance. And this is not an unexposed horse. This is a seven-year-old, and not only that, his career career record going into to Galway was uh, what was it? One for twenty-nine. It's now four for thirty-two. Uh, what was the secret? Sorry. What was the secret? How did it? How did? How did he find the the sort of the improvement, if you like? Um, like since he got his head in front Tuesday night, he just turned inside out. Um, just unreal. Um, the confidence is after giving him. Whatever was stopping him from just getting his head in front. Once he once he won Tuesday night, he was different horse Thursday, and then obviously better again even yesterday. And he, you know, he has run some of his better races even earlier in his career at Galway. He, he must love the place as well. There must be something about it that particularly suits him. Yeah, he, he's anytime he's ran there, he's ran well. Um, as you said, he was second in tour years ago. Um, he was second for me there last year as well, not at the festival at a later meeting. But um, yeah, he clearly likes it there and suits him. Uh, and Matt, just tell me a little bit about the the ownership. And I mean, we saw some fantastic scenes of of, of celebration. There was best celebration shots of the week, apart apart from Mark Johnson's at Goodwood. But they they were they were they were obviously having a great time. Oh, yeah, they're having a ball. Um, four four of them in the syndicate: Ollie Ryan, Paul Devery, John Flanagan, and Shay Gillen. Yeah, they've had some week. Yeah. And and ju- just just for you, do you? Do you almost have to pinch yourself that a horse has been able to, to, to achieve this? Yeah, I, yeah, really. Um, so the second night was great, but then uh, last went to win it for a third time. Was, you wouldn't dream it now, you know? And so can, can one cool poet earn himself a little bit of a break now, or, or are you just going to keep him rolling? Ah, look, we'll give him, give him a week or two off there now. He probably deserves it, but um, he's in great form. Even this morning, he's in great form. It's up and up and out of them.
Luck on Sunday, proudly sponsored by Albasti Ecruel Dubai. I'm delighted to say that my special guest this week on Luck on Sunday is the assistant trainer of Deirdre, Yoshi Hashida. Deirdre's success in the Nassau Stakes at Goodwood on Thursday was one of the most memorable the Sussex Downs have seen and certainly one of the most significant from a global racing perspective. She came over to run at Royal Ascot. In the words of her rider, Asheen Murphy, she got stuck in the mud in Berkshire, not so on the Sussex Downs, when she found a glorious seam up the inside rail to deprive John Gosden and Frankie Dottori of the third straight Group 1 in the week. Uh, Yoshi, welcome to the programme. Thanks so much for coming in. What a, what a week for you. <laughs> Thank you so much for inviting us. It's very honoured to be here at the very centre of the horse industry from Japan. <laughs> Just tell me a bit about your experience in, in England this year for you and, and, and how it's been from, from the disappointment of Ascot to the, mm. to the triumph of, of Goodwood. Yes, uh, we actually we came from Hong Kong mm. after the big meeting as well in this year. And uh, at the very first moment, we didn't have any idea about uh, Newmarket actually. We have only two clues for the horse, and the, at the first moment, we didn't know any, anything. For example, we didn't know which direction we, ha- we can walk. <laughs> yes. You didn't know where you could go on the gallops, no. which way you could no. go, where you could, where no. you could work the horse, yep. so you, you've had to have, have help all the way. Yes, so great help. You know, we, got, we are in Abington Place with a, uh, Jane Chapahayam. Mm-hmm. She she's, she's been a great help all the time. Um, she helps us going to the Warren Hill together and the, and the Arba Hasri together, you know, all the time we are together. And also uh, Roger Barian stable. Mm-hmm. He and his, his wife is Japanese, yes. uh, Hanako-san. Hanako, yeah. Yes. Mm. And they are, you know, they are always advise us where to go and how we can manage the week. Maybe, you know, we can go, we can get uh, some easy week or we, we have to go to little bit push her on or, you know, every time we talk to each other, so it's very, you um, uh, we, we all the time we feel the support. So it's been a great learning experience yes. for you in many yes. respects. Yes. But I guess you have to have a filly with the right, or mare with the right mind right. To, 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 to take you on a journey like yes. this. She yes. must have an amazing mental strength. Yes, very much. She's been a great traveler all the time. You know, first time I'm um, when we went to Dubai last year, she's been in trouble with uh, great, great, another great mayor, great mayor from Japan, Biblos, and Biblos guide Deirdre. Mm-hmm. And I, we feel like he, she got an idea to cope with the place other, uh, outside of the country, Japan. Mm-hmm. That's why we take, took her to Hong Kong last year, and we are second in the Hong Kong Cup. Yeah. And we, we had a confidence about her, you know, her temper and her attitude toward the lace. And, you know, we came here. Uh, we had a lace in Dubai, Hong Kong, and they came here. But it, all the time we believe, we believe her attitude and her mind. And he's, she's very much, you know, sometimes she teaches us how to manage life here. <laughs> <laughs> she's been the pathfinder, yes. and you've just been following yes. along yes. in, in her footsteps. Yes. Yes. She's, I think one of the reasons why people have taken to her is she's, there's so much off her. She's physically so impressive yes. and imposing and right. a big, long-striding mare. Looks, looks very sensible as well. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, you know, she's, uh, 
you know, we are we are, we had a lace from the six, six, two years old, mm. and we went through all the things happened to her, and uh, at the very first moment, she's a little bit sensitive. Really? Yes. But uh, Lida Utah, uh, Utah. Anyway, Utah is a is a Lida and groom, and she he's traveling along all the way with Georgia all the time, and he's just wait, wait, wait her, and gradually she understand what's the things she have to do. And what's the things she she wants to do and Yuta wants to do, and now she matured, so you know a little bit sensitive in in the heart, but she can manage. So if there's ever an example of one racehorse and one person being mm -hmm. as one, yep. it's Yuta and Deirdre, Deirdre together. Yep. And so just need that knowledge of of her mind and the way that she yes. she operates. When you went to Goodwood this week, how confident were you that she could do better than she had done at Ascot? Yes, uh, about Ascot time, uh, we are a little bit disappointed about, you know, especially the weather. Mm -hmm. It's because uh, we hope for a kind of good, good farm condition, but uh, unfortunately we have a heavy lane just before the lace, and it's kind of like, like you know, liver we have in a, in a course. But yeah. so... But uh, about the condition, where we we have uh, co uh, confidence uh, in the loyal Ascot time, but as well, but you know, since we are settled down very well, and you know, it it it's been a two months already, so you know, Utah and Deirdre uh, feel like they can handle all the variety of the new market courses, so that you know, week and week, our confidence getting bigger and bigger, that you know. Oh, this is uh, this is what uh, we we've seen uh, about her. Uh, we've seen her in, in Japan. Mm -hmm. So now you know, in the, in the, in a uh, good time, the only concern about us is just the weight. But the condition is totally perfect. It's not going to be lost on you that, that mm -hmm. she was the first Japanese horse to win a Group One race in Europe mm -hmm. since Agnes World yes. in 2000, yes. and prior to that, 1998, seeking the pearl in right. the Prix Maurice de Guiste in, right. in France. Mm -hmm. It's huge. The first in 19 years. Mm -hmm. How how has Japan responded to you this week? How have your countrymen yes. and women responded yes, to you? Personally, this week? Uh, I got like uh, hundreds of notification from the SNS. Yeah. That's what I got because you know I've been in this country, so I didn't read a newspaper, but I read some article on the website, and you know, all the all the, uh, the all the newspapers had a uh, had a huge of the huge of number of article they they got uh, all all for, all for all for us. So it's just it's just an honor to be here, and uh, you know I feel like it's a uh, not, gradually I realize that it's a very historical win. It's it's a huge it's, it's a hugely huge. historic win, and I, I think it deepens our appreciation of of how important horse racing is yes. in Japan. Yes, is is it fair to say that horse racing is a big deal in Japan? Yes, and people really Definitely. love the sport. Big markets. Mm. Maybe you can say you know if you work in one company, you have a big fine every company. <laughs> such a such a popularity we have, and. Uh, you know, uh, we have like in, in Derby, we have like hundred thousands of attendants. But at the same time, we feel like a little bit. We feel a little bit lonely because uh, you know, sometimes we concerned about the differences of the surface in Japanese lacing. So you know, we would like to be international, but at the same time, we are a little bit lonely when we see the Japan Cup attendance. I mean, the uh, ladies from other country. You know, we we used to see the Monju or you know. 
other big horses, but nowadays not, you know. So, you know, we want to be international. And it's, uh, the, to win here is, has a great meaning for Japanese to get closer again. Yes. Yes. So you'd act now, you'd want us to return the favour and bring you some of our good horses so you can see some Europeans and we can see some more. That's why we really, 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 we really want to see in Japan Cup and uh, you know, other international meetings in Japan. That makes much more funds attracted. I mean, I, I, I really hope that this opens the floodgates and mm -hmm. there's more Japanese horses mm -hmm. uh, come here. Do you yeah. think that's likely? Yes, definitely, because... Uh, I feel like uh, as a Japanese, uh, we are very preferred to be, uh, to prefer to follow other people. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's hard to be a leader in Japanese system. Is that right? Yes. Sometimes I feel like that. It's the same thing I feel like that. So, you know, well, but once one horse won, you know, they got idea, oh, we, maybe we can do that, mm -hmm. the same thing. So. I think hopefully this year, next year. And I heard that some horses coming to new market to train for the ARC. So, so you know, I'm, I'm so happy to show how, and show and prove the cruelty of new market for Japanese horses as well. And obviously Jane Chappelheim has been a yeah. huge help to you. Yes, and, um, uh, she clearly loves Deirdre as well. And right in, in front <laughs> of the table, we've got, we've got this. This is, the, this is the Deirdre mascot. Here we go. And we can't have the Deirdre mascot in the studio <laughs> without uh, a bunch of bananas. <laughs> because if she loves anything, this mare, it's... Look at this. Here's Jane. <laughs> Fantastic. Jane Chappelheim posted this on, on Facebook yeah. the other day. Look, there she is, yeah. stuffing bananas into her, into her mouth. Yeah. She can't go a day without her bananas, can she, Oji? <laughs> yeah. We, we're happy to see she share... The banana with our fabulous horse. Look at that! Oh yes, yeah. <laughs> taking a bite as well. That's yes. fantastic. How do you? How did you? Does she always gone for a banana? Oh yes, uh, it's uh, the trainer's idea that because uh, uh, athlete in Japanese in uh -huh. Japan they always take bananas after the heavy training. Is that right? Yes. So the, it's a human being thing, but uh, you know. They, oh, the uh, athletes do. Yeah, the oh, athletes. Right, 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 right. Yeah. But but uh, our trainer applies to horse as well. So it's been like ten years or more than ten years for our stable. It's uh -huh. usual to feed the bananas instead of carrots. So he just thinks, well, if. If it's good enough for the human athletes, it's good enough for the equine athletes, and yes. away you go. Yeah. How so many? So good. <laughs> and how many bananas does she eat a day? Well, like usually she eats like six or six or something like that. But you know, it's a celebrating time, and uh, all the people coming in. So you know, <laughs> she 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 got some you know some gorgeous banana days now. <laughs> some gorgeous banana days, right? How many more gorgeous Deirdre days are we going to enjoy oh, yes. this season in Europe? What's mm -hmm. the what's the thinking now? Yes, uh, you know, at first uh, we finished the pre-selection for the Irish champions. Yep. as you know, at Leopardstown. Yeah. Yes, and also. Uh, the fact that we won in a uh, free and mayor group, group one, mm -hmm. so we might uh, think about France. Yes. Such as uh, Opera mm -hmm. or Belmail. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's exciting to see the, how she can cope with uh, one mile and a half as well, probably. Because, uh, you, know, you know, as Trip do, maybe we can have to the, our dream arc. So. But, you know, we got some options now, so 
but obviously, you know, we we satisfied totally satisfied about training in new market. So we base a new market, and we're gonna take another license. in Europe. You don't want to go home, do you? No. You don't want to go home. You want to stay here. No. So you've gone from Japan to Hong Kong to Dubai mm -hmm. to Royal Ascot to Glorious Goodwood, and you might then go to Ireland for the Irish Champion Stakes, and then to yeah. Paris for the Prix de l'Opera, <laughs> maybe with a Vermeil en route to the Prix de l'Opera. What about America as the final staging post? Is that a possibility at the end of the year for the Breeders' Cup? Yes. Uh, actually, I went to see the Santa Anita, and uh, I communicated with the people there, and uh, they are very, you know, they are very kind to, to me personally, and also uh, I understand their effort mm -hmm. to uh, the to make the Breeders' Cup uh, great this year. So we are very attracted, but you know, um, it's. You know, if it, it's a uh, West Coast of United States yes. this year, so you know we are uh, uh, we'd like to uh, use our advantages, which is located in here in your market, not in Japan. Yeah. So you know we would like to see the best chance for her and uh, in the in the means of the location and our uh, status now. Luck on Sunday. Proudly sponsored by Albasti at Cruel Dubai. You've been listening to the Luck on Sunday podcast, the weekly digest of the best bits from Luck on Sunday, the program that brings you the best guests and insights from around the racing world.